0: All right, so we're going to do a show?
1: Don't laugh at Dr. Bill.
0: Back to the bin. Yeah. So who's bringing us in?
1: Hello, and welcome to Back to the Bins. And I am the bringer inner tonight. Because I didn't do much of anything else. Uh-oh, wait. Oh, just, just in. Something just popped up on Skype. Yeah, I am Starling. Oh, look, another photo I can't see. Thanks for nothing.
2: What is wrong with your Skype that you can't
0: see the stuff I'm sending you? It says it's unavailable. Uh it's probably it's probably because you're, you're probably parentally controlled or something.
1: Hey, really? You think so? I parental controlled myself.
0: <laughs> Jen, when you weren't looking, Jen probably did.
1: Is there even a parental control on here? Maybe it's under advanced. No. Calls, notifications. I've seen pictures before. Hmm show i'm so lost anyway hey everybody back to the bins episode
0: right paul we we don't give episode numbers
1: i i just said it it was it's right there you know there must be something garbled in the transmission that that the numbers just don't seem to come through there you
0: go yeah that's it so how many books we got today we got <laughs> uh, you guys are so sad.
1: My synopsis I'm not <laughs> <f-ing> that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, something happened again. I my whole synopsis was it got super condensed and then elongated and that was my book. Scott, how
2: about you? I just think that last sentence of yours needs to be taken out of context and saved for future episodes. That's what I'm thinking.
0: That Bill got elongated?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That never happens. Me? Taken out of
2: context?
0: (laughs) That impossible.
2: That's my whole marriage. I had every intention of getting up today and being a productive human being, and uh, somewhere life just completely derailed me. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, what are you, the dad s- from series of just being in the car from one drama spot to the next dr- drama spot, and, uh, and never really <laughs> got much of anything accomplished. You sound like um,
1: Pa Kent describing his his dad in uh, in Field of Dreams. There he is, before life wore him down. <laughs> that was Scott. He got up and he just got wore down in a day.
0: Yep. But just just to, to make a long story short, we have one book today. Wah, wah. Would that be accurate, oh. my friends? We only need one.
2: We've, Once. Got, we've got so much more content. We have one book, but we have lots of things to talk about.
1: One is the loneliest <laughs> book that you'll ever do.
0: All right. so Because we'll, Paul is the only synopsis. We'll work with all one book. You guys both have my book, right?
1: Yep. Yes. And what a book it is.
2: Well, it, it, it
0: actually is the book that I was going to do for our Christmas episode that we never did.
2: Oh, so now you saved it for Christmas in July, but it's April. Yeah, okay. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a problem That's with the that? Graphic,
2: that should be the graphic for this episode. Christmas in July and then just scratch out the word July and write April and crayon underneath it. <laughs>
0: I wish I could do that for the episode title on the website.
2: That like, would have, have
0: something in there and have it crossed off. Actually, I think you can You can strike <laughs> I a line think through. think you can
2: it. do that, yeah. You, yeah. Now that you say that, I think you can do that. I don't you know how you do it, but I, but I think I have seen it done.
1: You could strike a pose, too. There's nothing to it.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Is, is that uh, Vogue? Vogue. Exactly.
2: Start Even Vogue I Vogue. got that one. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, you're, you're out of my, you're definitely out of my comfort zone. Oh, there. Russell
1: Bragg even got that. All right. <laughs> Poor Russell. Don't, don't pick on Russell. He writes I'm not in. picking on Russell. I'm just saying, I love Russell. He loves me. that will also be taken out of context <laughs> and we'll probably be in the trial.
0: But anyway, <clears throat> so we got anything to
1: talk about before we do the book. Yeah, we're going to do some email, and we're going well, to... Email's after the book. Oh, email's after the book? Email's
2: okay. after the book? Oh, okay.
1: Hey, ooh, he's the producer. Ooh. Email after book. All right, well, fine. We're going to talk about the upcoming Tampa Bay Comic Con.
2: <gasps> ooh. All right, so go ahead.
1: Talk about the upcoming Tampa Bay Comic Con. I'll mute. No, I'll see, this way maybe we can entice you to come
2: down here. No, we need you to be the peanut gallery going, ooh, he's going to be there, she's going to be, there. Ooh. See? You know their their sites pretty cool.
1: Although the only beef I have is for Tampa Bay Comic Con, they have a picture of the Sunshine Skyway which is goes attaches St. Pete to Sarasota or to Bradenton which is technically not in Tampa, but it is across the bay, so I guess that counts.
2: The Sunshine Skyway is not in Tampa? No. No. That's what I associate most with Tampa is the Sunshine Skyway. No, it connects um Bradenton
1: to um st pete now yeah. if you go under it you go into tampa bay so i mean that's kind of
2: close enough don't be so technical whatever Ooh, i started to type in tampa bay comic-con and it, and i can't type three letters and that's the first thing that came up in the search window that's pretty cool all right so tampa bay comic-con august 5th through the 7th 2016 friday saturday sunday
0: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday.
2: I want to see some listeners at this thing. I want people to come up to me and go, "Oh my God! Oh man, I listen to every episode." You're, you're Paul Spataro, and be like, oh, yeah, thanks."
0: <laughs> no, I only wish I were that good looking. <laughs>
2: I used so, to be and then I got an operation. So, yes, I am Paul Spataro. They've got two little
1: postcards that they've got up. One, they have two ladies skiing, like in an old 50s or 60s style bathing suits. And they have oh, Ghost Rider Ghost Rider, <laughs> Ghost Rider on each other with one foot on each of their shoulders with his fist raised high. with And he's holding on to a ski rope with one hand, and his other, he's got a flaming fist up in the air.
2: Speaking of which, I'm sorry, I know this is a complete diversion, but I'm just curious, uh, Bill, did you see the video that I posted up about gosh, it's about Yes, yes I so did. Ago? Did you see that? Yeah,
1: so what what is that? That's Jack How did you get Jack Skellington's head to turn on fire? So
2: in Disney Infinity in the uh, 3.0 version, there's a new set of power discs that just came out that are for I mean, you can use them just in the regular 3.0, but they were made to be supplemental discs for the new playset that came out, the Marvel Battlegrounds. Uh And one of the discs that's in there is Ghost Rider's motorcycle. Right, right. And so if you use that disc, and it only works in the toy box, but if you use that disc in the toy box and it generates the motorcycle, it just looks like a regular motorcycle. You know, it's not on fire or anything. But if you take any character and put them on the motorcycle, then the motorcycle explodes into flame and then it has like flaming wheels and everything. If you use either Jack Skellington or Anger from Inside Out, on the motorcycle, their head catches on fire and stays on fire. Mm. Well, of course, Jack Skellington is Is a skeleton.
1: skeleton. So
2: if you put Jack on Ghost Rider's motorcycle, essentially you have Ghost Rider, which is just freaking
1: awesome. I saw that that when you are
2: driving around
1: and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought that
2: was cool. And the
1: other postcard, do you see (laughs) the
2: other postcard?
1: (laughs) Paul, do you have the site up by any chance? No, No, I don't. There's another well, I was, postcard I was quietly ignoring. I'm sorry. There's there's two little there's like it's a it's a old style bumper car thing and there's two little kids and right wedged in between them is the Hulk in a in a in a bumper car and he's got one hand on the steering wheel the other raised up like he's going to bash the kid that's next to him.
2: And the the one kid is kind of looking like, ah, what is that?" So. His fist is big enough that I'm imagining he's actually just squeezing a kid to pulp. <laughs> <fist. laughs> well, he's probably yeah, he's probably his yeah the,
1: probably that one that's just under his elbow. He probably snatched a kid out of there and just popped him like a grape.
2: That's a trimpy Hulk. I want to say that's from a cover, if I'm not mistaken. I think somebody's doctored it a bit though, because I think the the fist that's clenching the uh, the steering wheel. I it think looks a little funky. Photoshop. No, yeah, now yeah. I have to look. But I think that is from a trimpy cover, if I'm not mistaken. I knew we. Could that, that that picture. might be, that might be from the cover, where the Hulk's on trial.
0: Oh God, what, what is, is he? Like yeah, because he, you know,
1: cause it, kind, like it kind of looks like he's putting his hand down on a Bible and raising the other hand.
0: Okay, I'm just hoping <laughs> Comic Con. Where am I? Okay, I see the picture.
2: Yeah, yeah. Scroll down. Yes, I, I okay. think
0: that's exactly right, Scott. I think that is when he's on trial. Is that right? I think you're right. I'm gonna see but if get I can find it.
2: me with the brain.
0: I'm gonna Ra- see if I can find it.
2: Please raise your fist. <laughs> do you so
1: solemnly swear? <laughs> 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 no
2: more, no more questions, Your Honor. Alright, what issue number is that? Because I think I have that issue. Or do I not? Maybe I don't. Let's see. That is Hulk number. I think it's Ooh, like I was 1, way off 18 on or
0: something like that.
2: I was way off in the numbers, but damned if that's not the cover. Look at me, man. That's it. Show's over. Because it's not going to get better for me than this moment right now. Big that was volume good. two, Incredible Hulk, number 152. Cover uh, who will judge the Hulk that has all the other superheroes uh, all over it. That's the one. Here, I'm going to share it in the uh,
0: window. Yeah, hey, I, heard, I, I have so it open on the cover browser.com
2: that, that is,
0: ways. I believe that is a Trimpy slash Marie Severin. Could be. I think could be drawn by trim uh, penciled by Trimpy and inked by Severin.
2: I'm still slowly making my way through my. Um, my hey, re- this projects. photo is unavailable. Son of a. As I like, What is wrong with your Skype, dude? I don't know. How am I supposed to send you all the good porn when you
1: can't see anything? Oh, what? You're going to send me Captain America Schlong again? That's... I was just thinking about that, actually. Yeah. Why are you thinking of Captain America Schlong? I'm thinking of sending it to you. Oh, okay. I you know, I
2: try as not. As long
1: as it's not in a box, that's fine.
2: <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Captain America's unit.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. A whole, whole new meaning to Civil War. <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, yeah, I'd say that is that Hulk, yes.
2: Back to Tampa Bay Comic Con. Okay,
1: celebrity guests. All right, back to sleep for me. Ian McDermott.
2: <gasps> excellent, excellent.
1: Everything is going as I have planned. Norman Reedus, <laughs> Daryl from The Walking Dead. Are, are you really surprised are you just doing that for a fact?
2: I'm just doing it for a okay. fact. I haven't hit anybody I didn't
1: A $100? <laughs> Jeez, for a photo op? Jeez. Norman Reedus oh, is $100? Yeah. Screw that. The Emperor is only 75. Cash oh, only, baby. All of these people are char. Oh, that sucks. Charlie Cox, the current Daredevil, 60 bucks.
2: Were they charging last
1: year with a sele- I don't. Come yeah, to think- don't well, you we remember? We went to TurtleCon. I think. off to where we couldn't even see him? There was oh, that. Oh, like, that's right. That was the yeah. human gerbil maze that you had the people had to go through, and then they it's, had them covered with. So you couldn't even take a picture of them from afar. And at TurtleCon, I think I we only to- paid 10
0: bucks for Vernon Wells, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we paid. Well, yeah, I think that was pretty much. Well, well What did you pay for with um, uh, uh, the Pope of Greenwich Village? Ten bucks. So
2: like ten bucks. You know. Oh, you guys did. Oh, see, I didn't think any of those people you had to pay for. That's I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Yeah, but ten bucks is reasonable. You. it's with... it is. I'm not saying it's not. It's just I didn't realize that you actually paid anything last year for them. I thought it was just like walk. You paid up ten and talk bucks to... and we got th- th- uh, three of us in the same. Right. Shot. So I mean, it,
1: like we didn't have to pay ten each. We just paid ten and got one picture. Damn! That means Jessica
2: Jones is fifty bucks. Yeah. Man.
0: Compared to the you others, know, that's reasonable. If I'm
2: gonna pay, if I'm gonna pay fifty bucks to meet that woman, I'd want like a handy or something. That just doesn't seem right, you know. <laughs> Good luck with um,
0: that. Man. Yeah, I know well, exactly. Maybe we I, could. I think she'd want at least fifty-five. <laughs>
2: Banned for life from Tampa Bay Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, great. That guy so, with his unit hanging
0: out. Jackie you, Gleason going to be there? You give him a few bucks for the picture and he jumps if you fly. He <laughs> just walks next shit. to Holy shit, Jackie Gleason's going to be there. I oh, wonder no, no, how no, much... No, 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 no. that's Jack, Jack. That's Jack. You, Jack.
2: Jack, if, not Jack. If you could get Art Carney, I wonder how much it would be for the two of them together. That would be a great photo op right there. Might as well see we get, if you
0: could get Fred Mertz while you're doing it.
1: We could, <laughs> Art, we could get Art Carney to come dressed as uh, the minstrel from uh, Batman, whatever. No, no, no. That was Van, That was the other guy.
0: That was Van, Van Heflin. Not Van Heflin. Van, Van Jones? Johnson. No, that's... Van Johnson. Van Johnson.
1: Yeah. And Art Carney was what? The... the, the uh, uh, was he the clock? No, no. He was some type of archer. Or was he just yeah. called the Archer?
2: Oh, are you talking he may have been him?
1: the Archer. Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another, we had
0: another one he doesn't like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Jack Gleason from Game of Thrones, uh, who played he, he uh, played. he
0: played Ralph Cramden on Game of Thrones. <laughs> 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 when, they, when they beheaded him, that was awesome. <laughs> Alice Did he at least drive
2: a bus him. on that? Tell me, at least he at least drove a bus. At least he what? drove a cart, a uh, cart with horses.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, he didn't. He sat in the back. He didn't drive it.
1: <laughs> to the wall, Alice. To the wall.
2: Ray Park. Ray Park eh, Ray. is a, is a
0: nice guy. He is a nice guy, but I wouldn't pay forty bucks. Sorry, sorry, Ray. We, I think I only paid twenty for an autographed eight by ten for Matthew. And a photo app. Who
2: the hell is this Hobbit looking dude? Another
1: Game of Thrones guy. It's Frodo. Oh, okay. Frodo. It's Ewan Rohean. Yeah. Ro- okay. Ro- now, then beneath that, there's just pictures of the turtles. Are these the voices of the turtles? Yeah, because Rob Paulson, I know, is a voice artist. So I'm assuming okay. these are the original um, or from one iteration of the... Uh, that's Cam Clark, Townsend Coleman, Barry Gordon... And Rob Paulson. Meh. Ooh, all right. Ah, see, here Ooh, we go. Yeah, see, here we go. Creators. Here we go. So, yeah, so we got Neil Adams, which was there last year. Tim Bradstreet, I don't think, was there.
2: No, I don't think so.
1: Bob Camp, which looks like, I guess, does run, run in Stimpy. That's probably something Chris would be interested in. Right. Peter David.
2: Nice. Uh, Michael Golden. Hell yes.
1: Um, Chad Harden. I'm not familiar with Chad. Steve McNiven. Uh, I know he did. Uh, I think he was actually on Civil War. When yeah, that was yeah. out, of course that picture would be a dead giveaway with Iron Man <laughs> in his face. And George Perez. Yes. Yeah. Good luck getting Tim. Well, Tampa's uh, Bob Layton was kind of swamped last year, but there was other times when it kind of thinned out. Uh,
2: I think there's a possibility. Uh. Kihoi Pham? Ooh. Choi Fam, isn't it? Choi Fam, okay. Uh, I I don't I'm guessing. I don't know. <laughs> well maybe we can go ask him. Bill Smith, that's his name.
0: <laughs> Don, They're all silent. I pronounce it however I want.
2: Don Rosa? Yeah.
1: Which I guess he's a Disney or a, or a DuckTales or a Donald Duck he artist. He
2: is if I'm oh I could be so dead wrong about this, I'm gonna feel like an idiot if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the successor. To um, Carl Barks. Um, Carl Barks. Yeah, I think. I, I think that's. You know what? There's a bio right here. Let's just click the link and see. No, don't. don't. Uh, Don Rosen is an American comic book author and illustrator known for his stories about Scrooge McDuck, Donald Duck, and other Disney characters. Many of his stories are built on characters and locations created by Carl Barks, including the story that brought him in fame as a Disney modern Disney artist. The Academy, uh, Harvey Award-nominated comic, "The Son of the Sun." Rosa created about 90 stories between 87 and 2006. In 95, he won the Eisner Award for Best Serialized Story for his 12-chapter work, 12 chapter work, The Life and Times of Scrooge. Okay. Alright. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I think I'm right about that. I think.
1: Alright. Okay. And next we have Tim Townsend. Artist. I don't know who that is. Uh, I looked at his... Uh, if I don't that? know who it is, it doesn't even matter.
2: <laughs> Sounds familiar.
1: And then Dan... Dan Vessenmeyer, which I just
2: glanced at his.
1: (laughs) Well, it looks like he's doing some uh, art for Lego and their uh, and their magazine. (sighs) Move on, move on, please. Well, that's all we have there. They don't have any authors guests listed. They have two cosplay ladies: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jessica (laughs) Negri and Leanne Vamp. (laughs) Vamp. Vamp, Leanne, <laughs> Vamp. Vamp, monkey boy, Vamp. And, uh, oh, music and YouTube guest,
2: Tetra Ninja. So
1: of Sounds this like a hollow to
0: me.
2: Who would you say you're most excited about? Oh,
1: do you, well, I'd really like to meet Kristen Ritter and Charlie Cox um, on, on the, well, you know, damn, I'd like to meet the Emperor, too. Um, but for artists... Uh, I'd like to get something signed by Perez, and I'd like to buy something, maybe from from both of them. Oh, you know what? I wonder if um our buddy, well, I mean not our buddy, but we pimped him and bought a lot of his prints last year. Uh, Joe uh Pinto is going to be there.
2: I'm going to try to find out about that. I know that I I uh friended him on Facebook, and I and I watch his um yeah his uh, his post. Facebook, you know yeah, yeah. his uh, you know both his personal one and then he has one for his artwork as well i watched both of them and he's been to a lot of cons this year yeah, so I i'm assuming he's to gonna be there. No. there yeah because i think he's based in the area if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken i think he is a, a native floridian um that i want to say either lives in the orlando area or the you know, like closer to you like the tampa area one of the two so I can't imagine that he wouldn't be there. I, I've been meaning to uh, message him to make sure, and I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. But I'm I'm really hoping so, because I don't know if you've seen some of the new prints that he's done. But damn, he's I mean, he's still mm-hmm. churning out some really great stuff. I'm trying to remember the one I just saw recently that I got so excited about. Now I can't remember what it was. Was it, but, it Dukes uh, of Hazard? No, <laughs> no. Well, no, um, that that was when he just did.
1: Uh, and then it was. Oh. I can't think of a. I, I can't one.
2: remember, but yeah, there was something he did that was just amazing. Plus, I mean, last year, there were there were ones that he had that, you know, I just simply couldn't afford. You know, I, I bought so many of them from, you know, so well, many freaking freaking
1: already. I, I bought four, I think. I've got the Flash. Yeah. I've got the Star Trek one with uh, the Menagerie. And um, also, I bought one for Sarah with Supernatural, and I bought one for Ben with... Um, Obi Wan, and Luke, and a few, you know, and like Anakin, all mixed on the
2: right. On the yeah, page. so yeah, I got four as well because he he had that deal. I forget what the yeah. Deal was. Now I think it was, it was four for thirty bucks or something. Or something like that. Yeah, it was a steal. And you it, and I you got the, incredible. You, you got the Christopher Reeve Superman one, right? yep I got that one. I got it's basically like the Caped Wonder one. I got the Caped Wonder one. I got um shazam from the old series that has uh jackson bostwick as captain marvel i got the six million dollar man and the rocketeer
0: Mm.
2: and they're just i mean just gorgeous stuff but Mm. yeah i've been watching him um as he's been putting out new ones and he's definitely got some new ones i was interested in so yeah so that's uh that is the tampa bay comic-con and comic-con to I'd be hard pressed to say who I'm most excited about because, I mean, the ones that have me excited, I've I've Ooh. now had an opportunity to meet them all. However, I'm still, uh, there's still a book that I'm very anxious to get signed by Perez that I've been chasing him from con to con for years trying to get signed, and I've just <sighs> never had the opportunity. So that might happen this time if I have the money to, to make that happen.
1: You're like Sam Beckett. Leaping hey. from
2: con to con.
0: <laughs> no, the whole thing about Perez is is it seems like he has a constant long line. So unless if you're willing to wait a couple of hours to speak to him, you can never get in there. Mm.
1: Well, I mean, if we get there early enough, I guess, or if we could get a... Pre- I mean, if it's a possibility you get a press pass or something. I would think
0: if he's if he's the guy you want to meet, then I, I'd say as soon as you get there, go right over to his table and get All on the right. See, because
1: didn't you get into early to MegaCon one year, and
0: you didn't go up to him, did you?
2: I did get in early one year, and I want to say he wasn't there yet oh, uh, okay. when, I, when I went. The problem I, f- I have found with Perez at most of the cons I've seen him at where I haven't been able to speak to him, because I did get to speak to him um, at um, Dragon Con in 09 is not him himself or even his line, it's his handlers because mm. at at least two different conventions, the line wasn't that bad, but his handlers were just you know they were just kind of rude, you know and they were the ones that were making it, making it an unpleasant experience. And you know to me it's like it, it's kind of a package deal. if'm I'm, if I'm gonna be paying that kind of money, then, you know, for one, be nice to me. But for two, give me some face time because this means a lot to me. It's, it's not just going to be, you know, here, fork over your money. And OK, we'll make sure George gets this and signs it and comes back and pick it up in two hours. No, if I'm going to pay the money, then I want, you know, 30 seconds with the guy, you know, mm-hmm. to shake his hand and say, you know, thanks for everything you've done. And this is why I would like this sign, because this is the emotional impact it's had on me all these years. Give me at least that. And they didn't want to do that. And so, you know, nothing against Don't get me wrong. Nothing against George. George is the nicest guy in the whole world. But uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, maybe that's on, the professional side of it. Then I would just rather just hold on to my book and say, well, you know, I'll wait for my opportunity somewhere down the road. Well, m- so,
1: Well, maybe on the flip side, maybe that's a downfall. Maybe he is too much of a nice guy and they kind of have to kind Of corral people, or else everybody's they not going to take gonna advantage g- of him, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're you know, you're going to have a humper there with a stack of books,
2: oh, absolutely. And I believe me, I totally understand that, I, I really do. But it was just one of these things of there's got to be, there's got to I mean, be because we
1: saw a guy. I don't know if you noticed when we were at uh, when Kevin McGuire, uh, I at one point, while well, I think we were looking at something else, a guy rolled up with like a roll cart and was just pulling out a stack of books for him to sign. Oh, yeah. and I'm just like,
2: all right, really, dude? Right. But, you know, I have seen more and more often where even the nicest of creators are starting to kind of get. You know, they're just kind of getting fed up with that. And most of them have now initiated some sort of thing where, you know what, I'm happy to sign three books or five books or ten books. But you walk up with a stack of 100, I'm going to charge you something, Yeah. you know. And I've seen most of them doing that at this point, which I'm fine with that because – the last uh, the last MegaCon I went to, that was much the way it was. Is you know most of the creators were super nice, and you know you walked up with uh you know with some books, and you know they were more than happy to sign stuff for you. But if they saw that you had, I, I think generally speaking, the the average seemed to be about five. If you had more than five books, then they were going to ask you for. Um, generally, it was just a donation. It wasn't even like a specific amount, but some of them did. And, you know, again, I don't have a problem with that because I think, for one, I think that's just common courtesy, you know, from us upon them. But also from the other angle is that, you know, hopefully it just, you know, it does discourage those people that just don't seem to have, uh, you know, couth, you know, to just walk up and go, hi, you know, can you just sign all million of my books for me, please? And... You know it, it's just the the rudest, most awkward thing in the world because half the time they don't even bother to stand there and have a conversation with you know with the creators. And I've even had I'm trying to remember who it was, and I want to say it was Bob Layton, if I'm not mistaken, where I walked up one time and uh, we were having a conversation I think it was the first time I met Layton, and I had a stack of books and and I just said, "You know, would you mind signing a couple of these?" And he saw the stack and I think at first he thought I was asking him to like sign everything. And he, and I think he said something about, well, you know, I can sign a couple of them. And then after that it's, you know, however much it was or make a donation or something like that. And I was like, Oh no, no, you know, that's fine. And I was going to say to him, well, you know, I only intended for you to sign one or two, but you know, if you'll sign them all, I don't mind giving you, you know, whatever. And then as we were talking, And as he would pull out each different book to sign, I was like giving him my reasoning why I brought this book. And at the end of it, realizing that everything I had picked was because it had a personal connection, he ended up not charging me anything. Because again, he saw that this was not me coming there going, hi, sign this so I can slap it up on eBay, please. You know, and I think that's the difference for these guys. If they know that you're coming there as a genuine fan of their work, I think that gets you a hell of a lot more mileage with them than it is if you're just having them sign it so you can go back to your shop and put it up on the wall or put it on eBay or, you know what I mean? Where it has like no personal anything whatsoever. It's just business at that point.
0: Well, the, and I know the other thing that I think is significant is, is there a line? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah. You know, if nobody's
0: waiting and you know it's just you and him talking, and he sees that that you know you you pick these books because you like them or because they're specialty or whatever, then by all means, I think you know that's that's the way it should go. But if there's a line of twenty people behind you, I don't care how special the books are to you, you know. After after a few of them, you you know, you have you have to be courteous enough to move out of the way for the next guy.
2: right?
0: Right. And I yeah, I don't I wouldn't imagine you'd have a problem with that concept. But that's you know that's part of the process I think too. It's just being aware be aware of how many people are there
2: yeah i mean it's it's got to be tough you know to to how you want to how you want to do it and and how you know what kind of policy or whatever you want to try to lie down because one way or the other somebody's you know going to think you're you know you're super awesome and then somebody's going to think that you were just a complete dick about somebody's it somebody's
0: going to think you're super awesome and somebody's going to think you're Bruce Boxleitner
2: right <laughs> You know, and I and I saw that demonstrated with uh, with Chris Claremont. You know, which I, I thought Chris Claremont was the nicest guy in the world, and I'd heard a lot of horror stories about him, much like uh, with John Byrne. And I found Chris Claremont to be the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he was very generous with his time, I and mean, we carried on a genuine conversation. But I think part of what again what got me the mileage with him was that I didn't take, um, I think, with the exception of X Men. That the Dracula story, I don't think I took I think that was the only X-Men I had in that stack. Everything else was other pro, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. And I remember as I was walking away from him, he looked out in the line of people that were lined up for him, and there was a dude with a dolly. And basically like a long box or more of books to be signed, but they weren't in a long box. They were just out, you know, they were bagged and boarded and on the dolly. And he just had this look on his face like, oh, Christ. And he doesn't, at at least at that particular show, he was not charging. So whether or not he said something to that guy, like I'm only doing five or, you know, it's a dollar a book or whatever, I don't know. But the look on his face was just this, this just look of utter resignation like oh, god you know
0: it was interesting and, the time i spoke to him well i'm sorry i thought you were done <laughs> no, no no go ahead because because it was at new york comic-con and it was one of the years when i did have a press pass so i walked up to him, and i just walked up to him to talk to him I, I had nothing from design i wasn't asking him for anything i just wanted to shake his hand tell him i enjoyed his work and uh he immediately like looked over at the press pass and then he looked at me and says so okay so what outfit are you are you with and, you know, I told him, and he, he had he had a bunch of questions about the show, and he was very curious about it, and, you know, what we covered, and how we picked what we covered, and I, I had told him at the time how we, you know, how we had recently covered uh, the Wolverine miniseries when the movie came out, and we were talking about how he, he didn't get any credit for that story, even though so much of it was based on his work. You know, I mean, he, he was bitter, but he was very nice about it. right. You know, I I found them to be very pleasant to to speak to and I I enjoyed it. And it was funny because that time, you know, I I probably had about 15, 20 minutes to talk to him with, you know, nobody bothering us and, you know, me not, not, you know, blocking anybody else off. So the next year when I was there and I went over to speak to him, you know, hoping to have a chance to just talk to him again for a while. All of a sudden, you know, as compared to the the year before, there was a huge line of people and it was like, okay I'm not waiting through this. Right. So that that was it. (laughs) I I don't have the patience to sit and wait online for, you know, even if there's a couple of people, I can. But even then, sometimes you get some of those people who really monopolize the time, having a whole conversation, and it's like, well, you know, I just want to shake your hand and say hello and say I'm a big fan. I don't, I don't want to wait (laughs) twenty five minutes to do that.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: Well, three, quick things.
1: I want two quick things and one long uh, that the Tampa Bay discussion has brought up. One, the ticket prices. Three day admission is sixty bucks. Um, Friday admission is 30 Saturday, which is what we did last time Is 40 And then Sunday is 30 So if you buy a 3 day You save 40 bucks, basically If you were going to go all 3 days Um, Two If you go Bring food Oh yes Good lord, yes (laughs) Because we got stuck Because a monsoon came through and, uh, we didn't hit the food places like we, we had the, we got tired. We went out, we sat down and relaxed. And at that point when we sat down, we, sh- the storm was starting to come in. We should have ran and got some food because about 20 minutes after that, everybody suddenly got hungry and they went to leave and nobody could leave because they would have been completely soaked. So there was 45 to one hour Line waits to get food. They ran out of food. I thought they were going to start eating people. You know, <laughs> is that guy really a zombie? What's going on over there? So it was just really uh, b- bring snacks. I would highly recommend bringing snacks because and also the food was expensive too. Yeah. So, but we were able to s- sneak out of the con, run down to where we were parked with all our our, our goodies and throw th- th- through them in the car at our special parking spot. Parking spot one one three eight. That's right, <laughs> right in downtown Tampa.
2: <laughs> and um, we got soaked running down oh, the street to uh, what was that hot dog place? Nathan's. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, that, but uh, and then the last thing that I wanted to bring up is uh, being as Charlie Cox is one of the uh, guests, have you guys gotten all caught up on uh, Daredevil? I'm not. I'm in.
0: I'm in the penultimate episode so i've got have- it depends on how you define caught up if watching three episodes is caught up then i am <laughs> oh okay I have,
2: I have two more episodes to go before i before i finish i'm enjoying
0: guess- it the problem is so you and i are about the same spot then scott yeah the, the problem is that uh, you know my I, I i'm only watching it with the kids ah. and and it's you know first of all they're only with me every other week so we can't you know that cuts down on it and then uh Melissa is in the school play, which started today, so she's been at rehearsals and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, you know, our time to watch it has been limited, unfortunately. No, man,
1: you get them in there, you get them in the clockwork orange chair when you pry open their eyeballs. And, <laughs> Matthew's, on, Matthew watch.
0: was totally up for that. He's been he's been suggesting things <laughs> of that nature. He's he's been very upset that it's taking us this long to get through it, but
1: yeah, because I was doing about one a night, and then uh, the last three nights I've been exhausted when I came home and just crashed, and so I'm, i I've just got the last two left. I'm I'm just like Scott, but yeah. So without any spoilers, Scott, uh, what do you think of the Punisher?
2: I have really dug him a lot. I I was. You know, I, I was in a weird place as this season was starting because you know, of course, I knew that that Shane from The Walking Dead was going to be playing uh, the character and everything, and I, you know, I wasn't sure how I felt about that because, of course, I, you know, I I liked him on The Walking Dead and everything, but I just kept looking at him. going... Right, but you're wondering
1: hey, how how is he going to differentiate this from 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 Shane?
2: Right, because, exactly. You know, I, I essentially,
1: kind of close to. The same type of character.
2: Yeah, but at the same rate, I, I kept looking at it and going, you know, is the Shane thing going to detract? Am I only going to see Shane, or or is he going to be recognizable as, you know, w- will he become Frank Castle to me? There was that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, I really, really liked Ray Stevenson as the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. See, I've never seen that movie, so I, I got no idea. I loved that movie. I really did. I think I'm the only person that did, but I really did. I really liked that movie. And so he had a lot to live up already with with that whole thing. But anyway, you know, Star Trek right out, and, you know, minor spoiler. They waste no time getting to the Punisher story in season two. I mean, he's there pretty much right out of the gate, which I liked that they didn't screw around, that they realized that this was a big draw for people. And so they didn't tease it out and they didn't make you wait. He's like right there from the first episode. But they also did something in the first episode that put me off greatly. Um, Until later episodes, which is when he comes to the hospital, because when he comes to the hospital and he just, uh, you know, seemingly is shooting willy nilly and seemingly, again, almost takes out Karen Page numerous times. Yeah, that really put me off because I'm thinking that's not the Punisher, because the Punisher you know he, yes, he's a brutal killer and and all that, but he has a code that he operates by, and he only kills those that he has judged, you know that that they're that scumbags need to,
0: they yeah. need to be they need to be dead. He's the cure. So, oh no, no, that wasn't the Punisher. That's right. But oh, then, later, oh sorry,
2: and I couldn't tell you what episode it was. But then later down the line, he has a discussion.
0: Well, this they, is yeah, they actually clear, clear that
2: up. Fall spoiler. And I, I actually wondered, was that actually scripted or was that something that's you know somebody thought of later or was it something that maybe bugged a different director because you know, it's different directors on every episode and everything right I, I don't really know why it's there, but I love that because once they but threw it is, drink, yes, yeah, they're like, yeah,
1: he, he's like, you were never in any danger.
2: right. That cleared up a lot of it for me because between that part at the hospital, and the part with the old man that comes up to the roof when he and Daredevil are talking. Yeah. I was starting to get a funny feeling about this Punisher, like like maybe he wasn't. Because the that thing scene with part? the Punisher is that the Punisher's not it's weird because the Punisher is both a, a completely uncomplicated character and simultaneously one of the most complicated characters in comics. You know, and that's the the that's the cool dichotomy of this guy, is that he operates very simply. He kills the shit out of bad guys, period. That's what he does. But, you know, the, the flip side to him is that he does have uh, a certain code that, that he operates by. And, and generally speaking, he does not violate that code. that code. He doesn't harm the innocent. He does not fight police officers, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And, so those, those couple of instances in the early episodes were kind of putting me off to him a little bit. Like, I don't think I really like him. But over the course of what I've seen so far, and again, I'm, I'm two episodes away from the end, I've really come to like this guy to a point where as the series has gone, or you know, as this season has gone on, I find myself increasingly annoyed with how much Daredevil is in it. And I have to keep reminding myself that this isn't Punisher season one. This is Daredevil season two. It's his friggin show. Well,
1: yeah, because you've got multiple storylines that are going on.
2: Right. Which... But increasingly, every time they cut away from Frank Castle, I find myself going, damn it. I really don't care about Daredevil. I want more of this guy. And so I'm hoping the rumors are true that he's really going to spin off into his own thing because I want that. And with what they're doing with this, the level of, um, I'm not sure what the word would be, but, you know, just the level of mature nature to this whole thing, I could see very easily where the Punisher could spin off into his own series and they could get a lot of mileage out of adapting the, um, the Garth Ennis run. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have read the Punisher the Max, Max series, but Max series. I loved that. I mean, that to me... Is one of the great runs in comics. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, if they want to generate, you know, a, a several season series out of that, and just adapt that, much to the way that, like, say AMC is doing *Walking Dead*. Hell, I am I am totally on board for that. Mm. I would love that. So I, I'm kind of hoping that's where it's going. I'm hoping it's as popular with with everybody else as it's been with me because I've really been enjoying it. And it's funny because, you know, once again, finally, I have found something where this is something that I'm watching with the missus that she, you know, kind of sat there on the, on the couch beside me in Daredevil. You know, when I started playing, you know, episode one of Daredevil season one, you know, when the first season started, you know, what, last year. Yeah. She just kind of sat there like, yeah, I'll sit here by you while you watch it. And then the next thing you know, totally sucked in. So it's once again, it's something that we can watch together of my geeky comic stuff. And I love that. I I think that's great. We we've really been enjoying this Netflix stuff, you know, both both seasons of Daredevil and uh, especially Jessica Jones. She was really sucked into Jessica Jones to a point where like she was pushing me. Hey, let's let's get back to this. Let's watch the next episode, you know, type of thing. So yeah. No, I don't Somehow know. Somehow that in the that mood is connected. Say, say that again, I'm sorry.
0: Just, no, I don't know if I'm in the mood. Nah.
2: <laughs> I don't want to watch <laughs> it, the,
0: your your geeky comic shows, Missy.
2: But see, this particular this particular thing, the net the Marvel Netflix thing has connected better than, than anything this side of Walking Dead as far as, you know, comic book stuff that, that we can actually, you know, watch together and, and she gets something out of it.
0: Maybe she I mean, does not sit down and watch The Wrath of Khan like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, you know, she's watched I'm pretty sure she has seen all of the the MCU movies and everything. And she, you know, likes them to varying degrees, but it's one of those things where it's like, eh, I'll go with you so that we're spending time together at the movies. But it's not anything where she's walking out of it at the end and we're spending, you know, more time afterwards really discussing It's It's just, you know, it's, it's disposable entertainment. Whereas this stuff, it's deeper. And I, and I really like that. I think that's cool. So, but yeah, that's a very long answer to your question, but yeah, I've, I've dug the hell out of it. Can't wait for more ready for yeah. Luke cage too.
1: You need to hurry up, Paul. Cause you'd, I'd like to I'd like to bring up some other things, but we can't. So don't want to spoil you. I just it. thought it
2: was awesome when Stiltman came out and was crunching Oh, on. yeah.
1: Oh, sh- Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: okay.
0: Because <laughs> I'm just that stupid.
1: <laughs> yes. So you've seen up to ep- episode three. Have you seen a scene where uh, Frank Castle goes into um, uh, to a shop to buy, like, a police scanner? Yes. yes. Oh, and then when he goes to walk out, the guy's like, hey. Hey. I that would they could cast Chris H- Honeywell as that uh, part.
0: <laughs> hey, you want
1: to see some porn? I could just hear Maury Clark. Child porn. Yeah, ah, I got guys and guys. I, I got, oh, this one's twelve. Nah, I'm not saying anything bad about Chris. It's just 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 the way the guy. I think you just you said off. everything
2: bad about Chris. Actually. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and he just walks and he turns the <clears throat> the closed sign and walks back and picks up the bat and then you hear. You hear the bat swing and then uh, we cut to another scene.
0: <laughs> swing him out of the park. Yeah, whack.
1: So, yeah, I guess I guess we're I guess we're ready for your book now. That'll do, maybe, Pig. Maybe I'm not ready. Oh,
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do we got today? Let's see. I brought with me today our Christmas episode. <laughs> so this is the book I was going to do when we when we had planned on doing a Christmas episode, but we hadn't done one this year. So uh, I never like to let any, any prep work go to waste. So I picked Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 10 from March of 1969. That's the cover date. The actual release date, according to Mike's Amazing World, is December 5th, 1968. And as we are trying to do sometimes on the show now i would mention to you that it's also reprinted in marvel treasury edition number 8 from 1976 which is a christmas treasury edition so oh,
2: I, now in december of 68 i was uh, all of 6 months old you were did you what, have this? about about 19
1: i was negative 6 months away. i'm assuming december yeah, of negative 68
0: six i would have been 6 years old okay funny story of December of 68. What a very special time for me.
1: (laughs) Now, uh, years ago, oh wait, should we do, I think it's that time, Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Real Life with Dr. Bill Robinson. So, about 20 years ago, I was looking through my my mother and father's wedding album, and um, what's my Let's just say my mom, you know, marriage is a hobby. And my dad, he's been out in California since I was like two or three. But anyway, that's beside the point. Where I'm going with this is that I looked at the date they remarried, and it was in December of 1968. My birthday is in June of 1969. That's only Uh six months. Uh
0: Uh Hmm. That's all I got to say. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Real Life with Illegitimate Dr. Bill Robinson.
2: I think we have similar origin stories.
1: <laughs> I I asked my mom about it. She's like, no, we already had a wedding plan. And I'm like, come on. Uh-huh. I, I may have been born, you know, in 1969, but you were married in 1968 at the end of the year. Come on, I'm not stupid.
0: I may have been born in 1969, but it wasn't yesterday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, oh, you have a similar origin story (laughs) as well? (laughs) That you were never told of and you just discovered on your own? Just kind
2: of figured it out from family. Yes.
0: You know, if you watch TV, it doesn't look like anybody had premarital relations back then. That didn't start until the 70s.
1: You know, because Dick Dick Van Dyke, they had two different beds, you know.
0: So did Lucy and Ricky. Yeah.
1: They just did, they scooted the beds over one night.
0: Scoot, 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 scoot. Lucy, I'm home. I'm coming on your side tonight.
2: Ah, ah, ah.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, so Nick Fury, HM Shield number (laughs) 10. Who did 12, the cover on this? It had a $0.12 cent cover price. The cover is by Frank Springer but touched up by John Romita. Right. It has a close-up of a Christmas tree with reflections in the ornaments of the Hatemonger. <laughs> if you're not familiar with him, he's a dude with a KKK hood with an H on the forehead. My and-
2: Christmas is never, ever going to be complete until I get me a Hatemonger Christmas ornament.
0: Yeah, I agree. Another ornament has Nick Fury in it. Another one has the flying car, Betsy, I guess. Is it was no, not Betsy. What is it for, on the show? Lola. Lola. And the other one, had the, the last one, has some uh, some Bhutan.
1: Is that Agent Thirteen?
0: No. No. Did you read the story? <laughs> yeah. Well, you should have copy. read it a little harder then. It's Agent <laughs> <Story> Hines fifty-seven. Sure. <laughs> story is titled "Twas the Night Before Christmas" and it's written by Gary Friedrich. Penciled by Frank Springer, inked by Johnny Craig, lettered by uh, Artie Simic, Gene Izzo, and Mori Coramato. And edited by Stan Lee. Domo Marigato, Mr. Corramato. <laughs> I knew that was coming. We've been doing this together too long. <laughs> Story opens with a Staranko-like splash page, with the title melded into a city scene of bustling Christmas shoppers all headed across. And Nick Fury headed towards the reader. The shoppers are colored green while Nick is colored red, very Christmasy. That's pretty cool. yeah. Story takes place on Christmas Eve of 1968. Christmas is coming, but Nick Fury is haunted. I think my dad was too. oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh he's haunted by his tragic past. and as he strolls the streets, he comes across two greasers mugging a woman and comes to a rescue. But as he does so, she pulls out a gun and tries to shoot him. But like a poor marksman, she just keeps missing the target. And actually shoots one of the greasers who's smugging him with her. So, really good job there. Nick takes out the other one with a right cross. Then, because he's feeling generous, he lets them all limp off. Including the guy who just got shot. So Nick, feeling all melancholy, goes to his apartment where he's surprised by a blonde named Laura. I assume that's the last Christmas ball on the cover. But when she sneaks up behind him and plays Guess Who, he says, Val? Don't. Oh. That's kind of funny, she only has to cover one eye. <laughs> <laughs> she gets over it really quickly, and they decide to have a night of alcohol at Nuki. But duty calls, and it seems that the hate monger is back, and Nick is off in his anti-gravity car to protect the free world. Nick makes his way to the Helicarrier and meets up with Jasper Sitwell, Hydra, who is not the Hydra Jasper Sitwell, but the innocent young Shield agent that he was portrayed as in the late 60s and early 70s. He'll hydra. He tells Nick that the Hate Monger has sent a message threatening to release a germ bomb that will wipe out the population of New York City. Now, if you reside in Oviedo or Port Ritchie, this might not least might might not seem like a big deal. <laughs> but I'm looking at it a little differently than you. The attack is coming from an orbiting scientific complex and Nick uses a shield attack craft to get there. Hey, hey we all know Scott, he's got
1: he's got a cast iron system because he drank that water out at the park, so
0: <laughs> that's true. No germ bombs gonna get him. So after after he gets to the uh, complex he has to uh, put on his spacesuit and find an airlock. Once, upon, once on board, he's attacked by two minions who Nick dispatches of, but one of them is able to press the alarm button. You know it's the alarm button because it's a big button and it says alarm under it. <laughs> and so, warned of Fury's presence, the hate monger, who looks kind of like uh, he's being portrayed by Patton Oswalt, declares <laughs> that Fury has walked into a death trap. He dispatches his troops to bring Fury to him. So... Nick now fights a whole troop troop of minions and is really kind of beating the hell out of him until he's finally subdued by a gun butt to the back of his head. The minions bring Fury to the Hatemonger and they put him into a tube, which kind of looks like one of those carnival attractions, you know, the ones where you sit up a chair and they throw the ball until they hit the target. It makes you fall into the water.
2: It looks like he's actually being tested to make sure that he's going to fit on that ride. That's what it actually looks like. It's like the test chair they have outside the roller coaster.
0: Dr. Bill? Hey! Sounds familiar?
1: (laughs) Shut up. I was going to say something that I thought it was funny. You said the minions bring Nick Fury, and I pictured the minions from the movie Minions. (laughs) So, uh, yeah,
0: so they attach that tube to the germ bomb, which is set to detonate over New York City so then a blue nick fury is dealing with a lot of shit here he's, he's attached of-
2: hey wait 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 wait. okay i'm sorry i gotta interrupt you right here page 17 is my personal favorite because for one you've got nick fury last survivor of krypton in that middle in that middle <laughs> panel right there and then the bottom panel they're flying a couple of a wings that's awesome
0: <laughs> well when, when you say in the middle panel you mean the blue one no, no, no! Not the blue one. The next the one, one next to it. Oh, yeah.
2: okay. He's dropped the rocket. Doesn't it look like he's he's. Yeah, he
0: is. She's hurtling yeah. from Krypton. Yeah. Or, or is it Krypton? Krypton. Krypton. Have you seen the uh, the honest trailers? Uh, don't, Superman, don't, the movie?
2: don't don't even. No, oh come on! It's fu- it's yeah. funny when when they just uh, show
0: Marlon Brando saying Krypton, 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 yeah. Krypton. <laughs> it's you have you have to have a sense of humor about these things, my friend. Even yeah. when they, even when they're beloved. And you know I love that movie, too. It's still funny. Anyway, so the blue Nick Fury is dealing with a lot of shit here. He's attached to a germ bomb, and he's entering the atmosphere. He's about to be burned to a crisp. And while this is all happening, the enemy crafts, which are, what'd you say, the A-wings? They're, yeah. They're, they're following to make sure that it all goes according to plan. And And... Mr. Genius uh, A-Wing pilot actually gets too close and, and hits Fury's thing, causing the germ bomb to explode, and it releases the germs into space where they're going to die because they're, because of the lack of oxygen. So, of course, Fury is still in his little pod thing, but conveniently, he finds an eject button and parachutes to safety. No, Who he really does. I didn't make eject- that up at all.
1: Who builds an eject pod in a in a Whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. In a, in a so he's picked up by the harbor police, heads over to throw a bang into the blonde in his apartment, and the story
1: is <laughs> Bada bing, bada boom. And that's
0: it. I got some germs of my own, honey. You know, I find that there's little that gives me Christmas warmth more than Nick banging a blonde on Christmas <laughs> Eve. Who, who I don't think we've ever seen before in any of the story and we probably will never see again, who shows up at his apartment in a in a like a form, formal ball gown. Just so that Nick could unzipper it and take it off her.
1: I like how like in the last panel is uh she's like, somehow it just seems impossible that anyone could do anything bad on a day like this and, and what's Fury's reply? Yeah, sure, doll.
0: <laughs> You're just acting like a woman. <laughs> Now, is this the hate monger that is the clone of Hitler? I don't think this one is, but I couldn't tell you for sure. I think it's the clone of Patton Oswald. <laughs>
2: Unless, they, they really only have the,
0: the one close up shot of him. I mean, they really he's not in this book very much at all. No. He's were like, there
2: were there multiple there was multiple hate mongers, yeah. That were clones of Hitler? Because I, I just read the first hate monger story recently, yeah. and he died at the end of that one. And was he a clone of Hitler? Yeah, he was. Was but that a Fantastic Four? Yeah, it was Fantastic Four. I couldn't tell you what issue. It's an early one. It's yeah. Free, it's it's in the... twenty one. Okay, I was just going to say it's in the 20s or early 30s, so now, yeah. wasn't
1: the hate monger brought back...
2: Well, I mean, one of the times he was, I, was
1: brought back was when Byrne was doing the yeah, Fantastic Four
2: but I don't well. remember who he actually was in that story.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't think
2: he was a Hitler.
1: I think he was being Hitler. controlled by the Psycho Man or the Psycho Man was yeah, posing as a like hate monger.
0: Yes, the yeah. psycho man is the reason that Adolf Hitler was evil.
1: Well, no, well, but but the, didn't the psycho man is what created, uh, turned the invisible woman into malice, right? I think. Uh, uh Yeah, yeah. I well, thought it was Reed calling
0: her a silly female.
1: <laughs> simple female.
2: That's it.
0: You have nothing to be sorry shit. for. You're just being a female. I just, I love that. that That's, <laughs> you I post, saw that post, post yeah. That just cracks me up. And, and some, somebody rightfully pointed out, it's funny how Stan Lee is never called to task for this. It's like, everybody's like, yeah, Reed is a douche. But <laughs> Reed is... Reed, unless you're not really sure of this, Reed is actually a fictional character. Stan Lee wrote that.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't comment on that because, for one, I, I don't... I love Stan. Know. Don't get me wrong. I, I, exactly. I love Stan and I'm not going to bash on him. But also... I'm pretty sure he's been called on that uh, a number of times in, in more, <laughs> you know, in more recent times, you know, that, that
0: but you gotta, as,
2: I- as people have, you know, like me have gone back and discovered some of those earliest stories. You do see rather a pattern of the, of the, the female characters uh, being talked down to or outright degraded, Again and again, especially... uh, Professor X in love with Jean Grey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or Jean Grey. They're always making some some remark about her that is just not... But, you, you know, by, to, by today's to sensibility.
1: Why don't you turn into Phoenix and burned all your asses?
0: <laughs> right? you, you have to keep in mind the era that these books came exactly. out in. And that was a time when women were expected to be, you know, they weren't expected to be in the workforce. They were expected to be home, being housewives, raising children. I'm not saying it's right that that's the way it was, oh, but I'm that's the that's way right. it was. I
2: was just going to say, that's what we God, we're God if we could only go back to the good old days. God, yes. if
0: we could only go back to those days. But anyway, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> this This story has got, like, one of the silliest resolutions ever it's like okay we're gonna put him in this ridiculous spot but, but now how are we gonna get out of him okay we're gonna have the guy who's supposed to be making sure he gets off okay actually fly into it and set him free and set the bomb off so he doesn't do anything to do that and then he's just gonna find an ejector button <laughs> let's put let's put him in this elaborate scheme but have an ejector button in there I mean, what this, the hell is that about? This, uh,
1: page 13. Who the hell designed this
0: spaceship? Rube Goldberg? That's that's uh, the and same, what guy, the hell same is guy that, that designed Modok's lab. I mean, that's like, this doesn't even make any sense. I mean, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's You know what it he says? Happens. This is an effort by Frank Springer, who doesn't have nearly the talent of Jim Steranko, trying to draw a book like Jim Steranko.
2: I'll buy that. I was going to say that in the in the page that, that Bill specifically referenced, the 13, I was going to say that this is uh, Springer trying to do a Jack Kirby machine and really
0: failing. You are <laughs> failing! Yeah. Well, I, go with, I go with Jim Steranko based on the splash page. Right. Now, right. I, I do agree with you. There is a little bit of kind of a Jack Kirby thought process going on here. And, and, Attempt, and yeah. What's next to the hate monger to to the left side of the panel? What's the big staff with the H on it? Yeah, what is, what
1: is that like? Is it, that just
0: kind of his his walking stick, or is that a lever that he would have to pull to do something?
1: And he's got snakes wrapped around it. Those are snakes because if you go yeah. a few pages later, uh, it made me think of Aquaman. It's like he's trying to be like Aquaman. I mean, okay, I know I. Stick. Well, I guess it's a big staff. Yeah, because he's
0: walking around with it. It's a very high it's,
2: staff. It's his, it's his hate stick.
0: I was. It's his hate scepter. This is the lamest hate, hate yeah. manga has ever looked. I think. And he's got the
1: he's got the hangman's noose on his belt.
2: Yeah. What what practical purpose does
0: that serve? And I want a big H on my chest so that people know I hate them. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> what. Maybe he's Scott H Gardner underneath there. Hey, Scott Hate Manga Gardner. <laughs>
1: He's a clone of Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> it all makes sense. Oh,
0: we're gonna,
2: we're gonna, sh- sh-
0: the I'm going to go to pick the, pick you guys up that weekend at the airport, and it's going to turn out Bill is in some sort of a capsule to the side of the plane. I'm get
2: myself Where's
0: Bill Scott? Shirt. I don't know.
2: I'm going to get myself a shirt with a big H on the front of it
0: now. And a KKK <laughs> masks for no no but no <laughs> you're not he's not you're not supposed to see the the hate monger's mouth. I, I, I thought it, it was supposed to be like a full full mask covering his whole face. Um hmm. hate monger's gotta eat
1: <laughs> I don't yeah I think I have seen hate mongers with the with the full mask, you're right. But I don't know, maybe he just maybe he got his teeth whitened he wanted to show it off. <laughs> <laughs> hate manga yeah it's, see yeah he's 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 covered up there yeah
0: that's that's the uh just for reference i just sent over a copy of the cover of fantastic 421 which is his introduction and he's fully covered on that and nick fury is in it Ooh. hmm in fact, I, that that may be the first appearance of Nick Fury in the Marvel Modern Age, as opposed to him as Sergeant Fury in the you know twenty years past. I
2: think you are right about that. I think.
0: I think I think you know you, I don't know how many issues of Sergeant Fury were out at that point, but I don't think you had ever seen him in the current continuity until right. that issue. See, now you
1: got me reading the history of the Hate Monger real quick.
0: Hitler, blah, 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 blah. But, You know, he, he's got a Dr. Evil type scheme here. What, what the hell? It's a germ bomb. I'm going to set <laughs> up this germ right, bomb, but I'm going to tell you first. And then my inept guy is going to go over and set it off in outer space. I just spent a billion dollars on this bomb and you flew into it, you idiots. And the, the coloring in this book is weird. Like the blue blue face on uh, on Nick yeah. Fury.
2: Yeah, I noticed that. There's a the one where he has a green face too. What uh, what is the point of this? The bomb.
0: The bomb is to kill everybody in New York City. But why? I mean, to what? To he what hates end? you. That's it. He's the hate monger. Well, he needs no, a reason than hate. There's no okay. such
1: thing as a nude bomb.
2: At least he's living up to. All right, I guess so. No, nobody got that reference?
0: Jeez. That's uh, Maxwell Smart. Yeah. When they did that movie. I know Russell Bragg didn't get it.
2: <laughs>
0: Ooh, quit picking on Russell. Uh, we all love Russell.
1: Well, and he he listens to us because he's got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go!
0: I've got nothing else.
2: The obliteration of New York's populace will set all the nations of the world against each other. Why? And the resulting... Equally, sorry, yeah, sorry Paul. Sorry, Paul. I don't mean to be little. But why would that... Oh, wait.
0: Why, why would I unless, be offended by unless that? The UN, unless the UN was in session. Why would I be offended by that, Bill? Mm. Oh, because because New York... Because you live in New York? Yeah, but why would close? that set the world against each other? I mean, but, that's what
2: yeah. I'm trying to figure out. You well, sure everybody would be
0: very upset that New York got blown off the map. But I don't know that we would be at a... Well, maybe it's because back. of the United... Na- Wait Yeah, the Yeah, the United Nations was there. Yeah, Big Deal. They only send their losers to the United Nations anyway. They kill so them So he created
2: the this satellite so he could set off the germ bomb... The germ bomb is gonna make every after New York is wiped out is gonna make everybody else yeah, go to, you know, to your war, a war. And little, after the fallout settles, then the hate monger is gonna repopulate the earth with his people.
0: But I'm right, gonna warn. But I'm clear. gonna warn you right. before I do it, so that you have a chance All to right. stop me.
1: Too bad it was his plan was foiled by Lysol and hand sanitizer.
2: I think his plan was foiled because he didn't really know how he was going to go from stealing underpants to profit. That's what I'm saying here is how the hell was blowing up New York or not blowing up New York, but killing everybody in New York setting off setting all the nations of the world against each other. I'm not quite following something here.
1: Isn't that from South Park?
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like I'm <laughs> I'm not, not no, quite I get that. I I think your
0: confusion is warranted. I think the story is just you know kind of ridiculous. It's, it's pot, plot contrivance after plot contrivance just to this to... is how I define board.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that said, this does I mean it's it's fun. It's fun in like that like um you know this doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense kind of way, you know what I mean? Cuz it does go all over the place and Nick Fury this version of Nick Fury has a certain charm to it because he's just, you know, he's the tough guy. You know what I mean?
0: He's the tough he's, guy, but he's ever resourceful.
2: Right. He's he's resourceful. He's the secret agent. He's got the babe. He's he's basically
0: the gruff American James Bond.
2: Yeah, ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly it. He is, um, well, you know, I, I remember hearing it describe. you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the reasons that I remember reading some movie critics review of it one time. And the reason that, that they thought that, that Raiders was such an innovation was because, you know, here you had the, what did they call it? The champagne villain and the beer swelling hero. You know, it was kind of a juxtaposition, you know what I mean? Because like in James Bond, Bond was the champagne hero, you know, He, he wore the tux and he never got dirty and, you know, that he might take a punch, but then he'd never bleed and that sort of thing. And suddenly with Indiana Jones, you're turning that whole formula kind of, you know, on its ear and making Indiana Jones the one that gets, you know, beat up and shot and and goes through hell. And he's kind of the the gruff, tough guy. And that's very, you know, I see Nick Fury very much the same way. He, like you said, yeah, the, the, the gruff American James Bond. And uh, there's a certain charm to that. You know he's 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 the the tough guy through this whole thing and yeah I kind of like that you know the, with the weird gadgets and all you know it's funny because you know as I was saying <laughs> before I'm still on my on my read through of this early Marvel stuff and as I was prepping my next set of books for uh, for when I'm ready to load more stuff you know onto the iPad and keep reading um initially I was going to dump. Strange tales when the Human Torch uh, feature ends. That's when it gets better. Because well, I mean, because I was, I have not. I, I'll have to be honest. The the one thing uh, so far, I've, I think I've been really, really good in my read through. But the one thing I did give up on was Doctor Strange. I
0: just, I'm sorry, I can't. I tried. You can you can but, give up on Doctor Strange until. And basically, I mean, some of the very last ones are kind of cool because they have uh, Gene Cole art.
2: Right. And I might try to pick it back up at that point.
0: And, and but, then, then when he shows up in Marvel premiere and gets his own series again, there's some good stuff in there.
2: But I, I would like to think that it's it's a sign of my growth as a you know just as a comic book person that I can remember reading the first story of Nick Fury, agent of shield when I was, I was probably in my teens. Cause if I'm not mistaken, to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that first story <laughs> reprinted in, um, is it, is it origins of Marvel comics? Is son, that the son one? Of origins? Is it son of Origins? So I, I knew it was in one of those because a, a girlfriend of mine gave me those two books for a birthday. Shh, when I was in the service.
0: Here. <laughs>
2: and I remember reading it, and that was like one of, if not the only story in there that I was kind of like, nah. But now, all these years later, and, I, and part of it's probably because of you know the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and being really into Agents and Shield, uh, Agents of Shield, and all that. But again, as I was prepping these books in preparation for when I get to that point and, and being ready to load them onto the iPad, I was kind of flipping through the first few issues of strange tales when uh, fury comes in after the torch feature is over and just looking at the pedigree on it, you know, who wrote the stuff, who drew the stuff and just, you know, the art and kind of getting a sense of what the stories were. I'm actually intrigued for, for really the first time ever as a comics reader that, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it an honest try and see what I think of it. Cause I think that there's a possibility this time around, I might really dig it. So this issue is kind of giving me a taste of like, what's in my future as far as the, the Nick Fury stuff in the, in the read through. And while it's, you know, the art is wildly inconsistent and a lot of it's, eh, it's not that great at the same rate, just looking it over and, and getting a sense of the story, um, from your synopsis and everything, it does look like it is just uh, a rip roar and riot, if nothing else. So, yeah, I I, I think I'm going to enjoy this. I really I do. I think with a lot this of the Nick, Nick Fury stuff, you could expect more pleasure. of the
0: same. Say that again. I'm sorry. With a lot of the Nick Fury stuff, I think you could just expect more of the same.
2: Right, and that's fine because it, it looks like this could end up being the the guilty pleasure out of out of everything else that I'm reading because. It, it, you know, I think if you take it with that grain of salt of not taking it too seriously and just having fun with, you know, this this gruff, you know, gadget wielding American James Bond, you know, with with, you know, I mean, it's this is like this is, to me is like if if every if every James Bond story used like Moonraker as the model, you know, that's kind of what this looks like to me. And there's a certain, I have to be honest, there's a certain hook with that, that I think that could be a lot of, fun. and so long as it doesn't wear thin too quick, I think I'm going to get a kick out of it. So, yeah, I, I dug it. I thought it was all right.
1: got to say, I think these helicarriers are really poorly designed, because if you look on page 8, man, they got those little tiny struts on those how those engines are attached. No wonder right. those things keep falling out of the sky.
0: <laughs> time yeah, to turn around. Right. What were so, you thinking? I guess uh, you know we've we've said what we thought about it, but I guess it's time to rate it. Sure. So, uh, I really like the cover. Actually, I I I think it's kind of it's different it gives you the christmas thing but it also kind of gives you it almost looks like it almost looks like it could be the design of a movie poster if it was real pictures instead of drawings
2: sure
0: um i'm going to give it a solid b plus i think it's a, it's a really good cover i don't think it's you know one of the greatest ever but i think it's really good the interior art it really looks to me like he's trying really hard here uh I think that the mo- the motion doesn't really look all that fluid. It's, it's look you know, the, the figures look a little stiff in a lot of them. Uh, there's this kind of a lack of imagination on the, there's the 2001 A Space Odyssey splash page. And then there's the hate monger in his weirdest lab in the history of the world page that it's just, you know, like he, he's trying hard, but he's failing. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a C plus on the interior art. It's, it's, it's really, you know, like it's decent at times, but it's just not quite there. And the story, I think you pretty much hit it on the head. It's really kind of dopey, but it's kind of dopey fun. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give it the same C plus, better than average, kind of fun. And, uh, overall I'll give the book a a uh, B a B minus. Hmm.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to differ a little bit with you on the cover. I think I'm going to give the cover an A because I would love to have some Christmas ornaments like this. this would be, <laughs> that would be so cool. I have a hate monger Christmas ornament, Nick Fury Christmas ornament, in 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 this style with the old glass balls and everything. I don't even think you. Well, I guess you could still get these. These things are deadly though, with with those with those little toppers, because you take that off, that's like jagged glass under there. Can't, I just can't, can't I can hardly believe we made it as children playing with things like this, but uh, I'm gonna give the color uh, the color the cover an A, the interior art like the first page is pretty cool looking, um, but the the mugging scene is like the cut it really doesn't look that great, um, even when he meets the dame in his uh, in his uh, apartment, eh, you know, uh, and then when we get into space whoa, well, things really go off the rails, especially like the lab um, and blue fury, green fury. (laughs) Uh, So the art, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's, I'm going to give it a C minus. And the story, you know, we've got some sexism. A couple other things here and there, (laughs) you know, the, the, plot contrivances, and I guess a C as well. So uh, I guess that comes out to a B also.
0: School. It's
2: all down to me, huh? So I was uh, this cover was tickling my brain, so I was doing a quick search here for two covers that I thought it that maybe were homages to this one. And ultimately, I don't think they are, but I think they're still worth mentioning just in the fact that they are somewhat similar, and that was uh, Batman and the Outsiders, number 19. Uh, that was the story, Who's Afraid of the Big Red S, where Geo Force and Superman fight. Again, it's not um, a cover homage, but it, it's close enough. I mean, it's you, you could definitely see, like if you put these two covers in the next one I'm going to mention all together, you can see where they are very similar to each other. Uh, The other one that uh, I couldn't believe I actually remembered the name of this one, but it was um, the DC Universe Holiday Bash, uh, number one from 1997. That one looks uh, really similar as well. So in that respect, I guess that sort of qualifies it for being an iconic cover, at least semi-iconic anyway. Uh, But yeah, I do. I like the cover on this. I think it's really cool. And uh, I agree. I'd love to have this particular ornament set. I think that would be quite the conversation starter on the Christmas tree. Um, so I agree with Paul. I think I'm going to go a B plus on the cover. I really do like this. I like the use of color and uh, and it's good artwork as well. Um, although the the flying car I think looks more like a like a like a VW Beetle or something than it whatever sports car it's actually supposed to be. Um, interior arts, a tough one for me because it's kind of all over the place because I love the opening splash and then right after that it goes into like Lady Cop or something. It looks terrible and then it's just kind of all over the place. It's It goes from being really blah and kind of inconsistent to looking really good and then looking really bad again and it, it's really, it's all over the place and one of the things that does not do it any favors is um, some of the very strange color selections here and I, I'm not seeing anybody credited with the coloring on this particular one so I don't know who did the colors but there's moments in here where it's like um, it's almost like coloring book style colored and it's it's really strange. I, I do agree with you I think that Springer was, was going for somewhere between um, Jack Kirby and um, what's his name that you mentioned before?
0: Jim Steranko.
2: Jim Steranko. Yeah. And, and not, not really doing justice to either one. Um, But then there's, there's actually sequences that, that look very uh, look very Gene Cullen to me. So some of those actually work, but, I don't know. Overall, it's serviceable art. And there are moments that look really, really good. But overall, it's just kind of... You know what it really reminds me of more than anything else is it reminds me an awful lot of a Charlton comic. Um, it reminds me of a Charlton comic in the in the way that it's uh, colored in some of the the choices of the artwork and all. And the overall style now that I'm really paying more attention to it and really diving deep into it, it reminds me an awful lot of issues of E-Man from Charlton. So I, yeah, that's kind of odd for this particular type of story and type of hero and everything. I think I'd have to, with the R, I think I'd have to go, I'm going to go a C minus. I I like it. And I think it's pretty interesting, but it is wildly inconsistent. And could be a lot better. Particularly the colors. I think if the coloring was better. Um, it would really help the art a lot more. Um, just looking for example. Like page three. When Fury's got the guy. By the collar. He looks like. It's like Archie Andrews. With an eye patch. <laughs> you know. And then you go down a, a couple of, of pages. And the one we're on page five, third panel where he's got the girl in his arms and she's going, you smooth devil, you talk me into it. He looks like Superman with an eye, like golden age Superman with an eye patch. So it's kind of all over the place with, with the art. Some of the art almost looks like maybe swipes or something. It's, it's really kind of strange, but anyway, um, lastly, story, story's hard to grade. For one thing, I I didn't get a chance to actually read the story. I kind of followed along with the synopsis. So I, I want to be fair to that. Um, the fact that the plot doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Um, you, know, you can't really ignore that. Some of the wilder elements here and how Fury escapes from his death trap is, yeah, just plain silly. So um, I think I'm going to go. Uh, I think I'll go C minus on the, on the story as well, because it's it's pretty damn silly. Plus the fact of. I don't care how in love or in need of a shag that this chick is, you know, the fact that he gets a call and says, all right, just stay here. I'll be right back. And then he's gotta be gone for what (laughs) a day. I mean, and then he gets back and she's still there waiting for him. I'm like, all right, was she really just doesn't have a life at all to where she actually just, she really did stay there and wait for him. I mean, this, at the very least, this has got to be hours that have gone by, right? To the point where he was actually able to go and and secure a, a spaceship to go to the station and all this other crazy crap that goes on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. That just seemed kind of odd to me that she actually, she really did wait for him. Night, night, uh, night gown, night dress, and everything. She's still there when he gets home. So, I don't know.
0: Does he make you horny, baby?
2: I guess. <laughs> says, why don't you open your peepers and see what Santa Claus brought? Oh, yes. No. <laughs> That's just creepy. All right. But anyway, uh, what's that average, average? I'd say a B. A B. I'll say a B.
0: Yeah, so we're in the same same ballpark, just the same. There you go. After all that. <laughs> all right. So what book is, do you guys have now? Uh, I've got uh, <laughs> Oh, I broke up again. We're uh, doing email. I could I could go right to the closing music right there. <laughs> but let's do a little email. Let's. You lazy so and so. Mail
1: time. Mail time. Mail time. I. Uh, uh, here's the mail. <laughs> I'm getting tired. I'm getting here's
0: punchy. the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail. Well,
2: so, what's the first one that you were doing here? This first is the one, one is from Day.
0: Mr. Kirk Greenfield. Nice. And it was apparently directed just to me. It's the oh. Valentine's Day challenge. Ooh, this. And can I, be- I think this is one I, I may want to. I might want to take him up on this and have us do this episode at some point. Obviously, it's not going to happen for Valentine's Day, unless it's for next year's Valentine's Day. But it's, uh, let me just read you his email. We
1: hey, could
0: Paul, have Valentine's. here's a wacky idea. We We could have Valentine's in June. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. If you find it in bad taste or offensive, just ditch this letter and don't show the other two, okay? The idea came to me. Scott, Scott, that's us, that's us. The idea came to me as I was waking up one morning this week before my better judgment kicked in, so I sat on it for a few days. In honor of Valentine's Day, you three should do a special episode. I know it's past, just bear with me. In several BTTB episodes, you guys have ad lib jokes about letters to the Penthouse Forum. Dear Forum, I never thought it could happen to me, but... The fact that you all immediately laugh suggests you're all familiar with this trope and have read some forum letter columns in your day. No. Well, was that, I was flipping through this book. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the price of admission to this episode is that each Binzer host must write and read his own penthouse forum letter that is somehow tied to comics.
2: <laughs> I never
0: thought I'd find love in a comic shop, but, or I traded my collection for a night of pleasure, etc. <laughs> the wilder the tale, the better. For the body of the show, each of you three bingers will have to come up with an issue that is so over the top to be in bad taste or highly suggestive. Issues with Jim Lee's good girl art on the cover are immediately disqualified. It might be something like, say, Black Canary or Black Widow or The Cat, Dazzler, Ms. Marvel, or some other semi-sexist erotic overtones. Astonishing Tales number 5, 1971, immediately comes to mind. And that actually came to my mind, too. That's the one with... with uh, Black Widow, and they it's a Christmas one, in fact, and they show her like she's taking a shower and you see her in a silhouette. Mm. Anyway, other than that, it's no holds barred. Of course, the entire episode would be a complete send-up of Valentine's Day, but the kicker would be that you'd release it on or about April Fool's Day. Sorry, too late for that, too. As a stunt or joke, making fun of romance in the comics. If you decide to act on this bizarre idea, keep the source anonymous. (laughs) Sorry, Kirk. Whoops! Whoopsie. You have roughly a month to find an issue. Dream up a farcical letter and record the episode. I suggest April Fool's Day as a good excuse. What do you think? Again, if this is too bizarre, just to ditch it and excuse it as a bad dream as I am waking your friend, Kirk. I actually think it's a pretty funny idea, Yeah. but I don't necessarily think we should be doing it as an April Fool's joke because I'm not trying to trick anybody here. I just think we should do it as kind of a theme episode. We'll find not necessarily romance comics, but comics which have a romance angle to them, and we'll just kind of gear our synopsis to sound like a forum forum letter.
1: You know, that last part sounds like he's, you know, like it's mission impossible. Your
0: mission, should you decide to accept it? Your computer will now self-destruct. Poof. (laughs) But I think it's it's a pretty funny idea. It's just a matter of executing it, which I don't know if we will or not, but I certainly consider it a possibility. Scott, you want to read the next one?
2: I will. All right. So next one is catching up on email. Look at and
0: Scott in the is... email. Ooh. <laughs> I
2: knew it. Ah, <laughs> I told you he'd say that, didn't I? Did <laughs> I not call that? Yeah, that's exactly what you said that he would say. I said it. Look at you. I, I, Look at the exact... big brain on Scott.
0: <laughs> that is funny. Well,
2: that's exactly the what the fact that Every time that we read email,
0: say, you say, oh, I don't know how to get into the email.
1: Because <laughs> we set it up beforehand we were like, all right, we, you know, Scott wanted to make sure he could get in it. To, and I'm like, I guarantee you he's going to say,
0: look at you, Scott. Look at, uh, look at you. <laughs> a, a little Scott, all grown up.
2: <laughs> so this is from our good friend Russell Bragg. And Russell writes, he says, hello, fellas. He says, sorry it's been some time in between emails, but I've been busy trying to get the DC Comics Presents show back on the air. He says, hopefully by the time you read this, uh, it will have come back. I am still not missing an episode, and I try hard to listen as they come out. I listen to them at work on Sundays at the latest. I was uh, getting a kick out of you guys telling us where the quotes come from. (laughs) I will admit that most of them get by me, and I like knowing where they come from. Some are obvious to me because I've heard them directly, such as, we're going to need a bigger boat, don't call me Shirley, man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything. But most of them get by me. So if you uh, want to keep, quote unquote, directing me to them, I, for one, would not be offended. It's been nice having Scott back more of the past episodes. Ah, this <laughs> hopefully his work will allow even more in 2016. I would never criticize him for not being there all the time, considering all the hiatuses I've had to take in my uh, short podcasting career. I think our listeners understand that quote unquote real life takes priority. Yeah. Real life sucks though is the problem. Uh, that's me interjecting <laughs> editorializing. Uh, I guess that's all for now. As always, I remain your humble listener. And again, this is from Russell Bragg Clarksbrook Clarksburg, West Virginia. And Russell is the host of the DC comics present show. And he's uh, includes here guest on an upcoming Avengers spotlight. Unless it's out by the time you read this. Is that one out yet? That edited, Bill. No. (laughs) But it should be
1: out before this is out. Yeah, Wilson. What, Wilson? Wilson! That's from uh, Castaway, Russell.
0: You want to read the next one, Bill? Uh, I don't know how to log in. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs)
1: And this too comes from Russell Bragg. We love Russell. And mm. it's back to the bins 229 Kentucky Fried What or Comics Monthly Bins number 1. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, wonderful episode as always. I have no idea what's going on in the comic world these days. So I was happy to hear a little bit. Even if the Justice Society Earth 2 etc comes back, I don't think it would have the same feel. That was then, and this is now. And that was a monkey song, too. Uh, I have accepted it and enjoy my back issues without any thoughts about what's going on today. I may per- pursue... Peruse. Peruse. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's right. There is no S there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting tired occasionally, but I'm not... That's invested, right? That's not... Yes. <laughs> I, I thought it was like... Never mind. But I'm not invested. You guys got me uh, hungry for all the food talk. We probably have uh, four Chick-fil-A's uh, within 40 miles of us. Two stand, two standalone restaurants and two mall. I love it. Nothing beats the original sandwich, but I love the spicy one the best. There are no Popeyes around here. Mmm, Popeyes. And we only have one KFC now. My cousin brings... My mom, uh, Popeyes, every once in a while, and now once one around here. I'd love one too, and I'm getting hungry. Do they have Do they have mashed potatoes or just fries? At Popeyes? Uh, yeah, I don't think they have uh,
2: either. I usually get the red beans and rice, but uh oh, I they think also they have, do have mashed potatoes. Rice, but I don't know about yeah. I think they do have mashed potatoes.
1: All All I ever get at Popeyes is the uh, is the spicy. Um, the Spicy Strips. I yeah. love those. Mm. I was messaging Paul about uh, about missing Dr. Bill on the show. I was worried he might be sick or something. He's assured- sick, all right. <laughs> sick, sick man. He assured me all was good. Just busy. I can't argue with that. But podcasting-wise, I can't afford to be too busy or sick, as I will be uh, releasing episodes weekly for the rest of the year. I am still hoping you'll be able to record a certain issue with me when the time comes. I was wondering if this episode was meant to be all comic talk from the beginning, or did you run long and decide not to bring issues to the table?
0: Either uh, way, this one was all comic talk from the beginning.
1: Either way, I had a great time listening. I forgot to take, I forgot to take notes. I forgot to take notes anymore, so I can't remember if I wanted to ask anything. So. <laughs> Close for now. <laughs> Thank you once again for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents
2: show. Thank you, Russell.
0: Always good to hear from Russell. He's always... Yes, it is. He's always got something nice to say. So much, So much different from us. <laughs> so I'm going to just... I think I'll wrap up the email now. With one final email from Russell again, because I think otherwise we're going to go too long on email today. Hi, guys. Oh, well, actually, this one is titled uh, Back to the Bins 230, Shameless Obligatory Coattail Riding Superman Batman Episode. Hi, guys. Wow, you had a full house this time around. Welcome back, Dr. Bill. You were missed, as Paul can tell you, since I messaged him about you. When I found out what the episode was going to be, I was a little shock, shocked that Scott was there. Dun, maybe, dun, dun. maybe he just concentrated on Superman and Batman and ignored that it was for the Superman v Batman movie. Well, I I could tell you Russell, every shameless obligatory episode we do while we talk about the movie a little bit, the comics are always front and center. Yeah, and and they're they're never like adaptations of the movie or anything, so It's never, you know, whether or not we're going to enjoy the movie, the episodes really aren't affected by that. Always good to hear Scott and Mike together again. Miss Tales of the JSA and Comics Monthly Monday very much. Anyway, on to the show. I had two of the three books this time around. Superman number 76, if you count Trades and Archives, and World's Finest 269. A too late suggestion on my part, but you might have had an inkling to do World's Finest number 271 for this episode. Anyway, it pretty much combines all the Superman-Batman origin stories in one book, comics and radio. It's one of my favorite books. Didn't you or Mike bring that one up?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, and I thought I could be wrong. Maybe it got edited out or something, but I know that Mike uh, mentioned that uh, when we were Talking about uh, the book, I did bring the two sixty nine that we actually did cover. That book you're talking about, uh, Russell, uh, on I'm pretty sure that was a bins episode that tied into something that we were doing on tales at the time, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, that that book has been covered at some point on. Um, I'm pretty sure it was on an episode of Back to the Bins. At World's yeah, and Cup I'm
0: and I'm pretty confident it was mentioned in the episode.
2: Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we re- we did one way or the other. Mike and I did an episode on uh, on that specific book. It's been quite a long time ago, but uh, yeah, we loved that one. It was a really solid, uh, really solid book, really solid story, because it made sense of the very uh, convoluted. Uh, I was gonna say the history. The, that's the problem. Is that what what? If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty darn sure that that was written by. Roy Thomas. And that's kind of Roy Thomas's forte is that he will take, um, convoluted histories and seemingly disjointed continuities and kind of make sense out of them. And he did that with this particular story where it was kind of Batman and Superman looking back on their friendship together and their history of teaming up in world's finest and making Sense out of all the various and disparate versions of their quote unquote, first meeting. because as it turns out in the in their history, those characters have had numerous first meetings. And Thomas really made uh or at least made the attempt to make some sort of linear sense out of it. and uh, and it was a really good story. And uh, you know now I know we did talk about it because I remember Mike mentioning. That the villain of the book was uh, the guy, I forget what they call him in this story, but he essentially was Atom Man from the radio serial Superman. I think it was called Atom Man versus Superman, I think was the name of it. And he was the the bad guy in that particular story. He had a really cool outfit, as I recall. But that's a fantastic book because, for one, like I say, the story is really good. But, uh, again, you've got that beautiful Rich Buckler art on the interior. So was, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a Perez cover with uh, Buckler interior. And, yeah, good, good stuff. But, yeah, we have
0: covered that one. Okay. Uh, I have to disagree with Mike on one of his points. <gasps> I never thought Superman and Batman team up should be limited. It shouldn't be just for a summer blockbuster-type comic story arc. I like it best when they are buddies, pals, goombas. I have a pre-crisis on Infinite pre-crisis on infinite Earth's mind, and I guess we'll forever stay that way. I just don't like the post-crisis Superman. I truly believe it's because there's no Superboy becoming Superman and not having a cousin Supergirl. I guess the only part I didn't truly mind was was that Ma and Pa Kent lived to see his supermanhood? I never thought he was powerful enough, and I was proven right when Doomsday killed him. Sorry to rant all over this email. I guess I have some deep-rooted animosity about Superman post-crisis. Sorry. I'm hoping to see the movie, but my wife isn't thrilled about it because she can't stand Ben Affleck in anything. (laughs) I assume you guys will have a post-viewing movie show, and I look forward to it. I continue to hope you will be on... a certain episode of the DC Comics Presents show, and I will let you know when I have when I have to start recording it. Hope all three of you can come. Very enjoyable episode, better end for now. All the best to you all. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the weekly DC Comics Presents show.
1: All right, this is the so, so time. Wait, wait. So, guys, are we going to get together and uh, have that post-viewing show? Or just put
0: crickets in? Well, considering I'm the only one who viewed it... <laughs>
1: And I've heard enough reviews that it it's not moving me to go see it. So I'll wait till it's uh Red Box or on
0: TV. Yeah, oh, wait. I, That's oh, what wait, I would I recommend to you if you have any interest in it. Yeah. And frankly, Scott, I, I think for you, not even that.
2: Well, you know, to to kind of address something that uh you know, the the basically the way that Russell let off the letter here, um he says he was a little shocked that I was there. I mean, I guess I could see that because, you know it, it, you know, it was right there in the title, you know, that this is the coattails writing episode for for Batman v Superman. Um, I wasn't there for that. I was just there because, you know, the nature of the show is, you know, we're going to cover comics that, um, you know, tie into whatever the subject is. We, and we don't, I, you know, I applaud us, you know, it's not very often that, that, you know, I'll, I'll I'll pat myself on the back, but I applaud us. And I mean, the three of us plus Mike, you know, that guested on the the first part of that, that I don't think we were overt about it. I don't think we were dickish about it. I don't think we were like in your face about it, but kind of our mission statement for that episode was that we were kind of thumbing our nose at the whole fight aspect of Batman v Superman and we focused on buddy stories of Superman and Batman. and that was kind of what we chose to do with that. and again i I just think you I think we deserve a pat on the back because we we chose to do that purposely, but then we we weren't I mean we weren't dicks about it. you know what I mean we just we just did what we did and we didn't really draw a lot of attention to it. We just kind of let it Flow organically, and I, I think it was uh, uh, two really good episodes because that is kind of a two-parter. Because um, you know, because of time constraints, we we didn't get a chance to cover um, Bill's books that you know I encouraged him to bring back that next week because I really liked that story. So I consider that to be kind of a 2 part episode. Um, but I, I was there because I wanted to you know celebrate those those stories and those you know that concept of Superman and Batman together as as buddies. And I, you know, the thing with that was I I purposely didn't address anything to do with the movie. And then I kind of regretted that only in the, in the aspect of once or twice during the course of the first episode, um, a couple of people kind of spoke up for me and that made me uncomfortable only in the aspect of, they weren't necessarily wrong in what they said, but I was making a conscious effort not to address the subject. So all I can say is, you know, and I'm going to keep this as short and sweet as possible is that, um, I have made a conscious decision not to view this movie and it's on several levels. And mostly the level it is on is that I've become, um, at this point it's, it's not even just an opinion anymore. It is like a a mission statement as far as I'm concerned that, I'm going to be I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I for the longest time I have encouraged people that if there is a product and I don't care what it is, I don't care if it's comics, if it's a movie, if it's music, whatever it is, if there is something out there consumable that is asking for your money and you're not happy with it, the absolute worst thing that you can do in my opinion is give money to that product because it doesn't matter how much bitching about it you do later. It doesn't matter where you do it. It doesn't matter if you put out podcast episodes or blog posts or Facebook posts or, you know, sternly written letters or complaining to your friends or even like meeting the the person responsible for it in person and say, I felt ripped off by this. The bottom line is if you gave them your money, the only message they are hearing is I'm happy with this and I'd like some more, please. And I, I, I have come to sternly, firmly believe that. So I am not giving money to this movie because I don't approve and I don't want this anymore. So, you know, that that's all I was saying. So
0: and, and I you know, just uh, I'll, I'll say to you, I agree with your, your theory there as far as conceptually. I, I think that's solid ground. That's right. what I did with the Fantastic Four movie because I saw, yep. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy that movie. I just knew it. And then eventually I did see it on video form, did not pay any money to see it. So they did not get any money from me. And right. uh, seeing it only confirmed my thoughts about it. Uh, and that's – To visit it on this one, I am on the record that I liked Man of Steel. So I still had hopes that I would like this one even with the bad uh, advances. As it turns out, well, listen to the uh, listen to the roundtable episode, and you'll get my opinion.
2: Right, and that you know that was the other half of that coin for me personally was that, um, I think it's very important to recognize. Um, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this, but I, I've become very cognizant in the past couple of years of knowing when something is not, not only not going to enrich my life as far as making me happy or making me satisfied or making me, you know, doing positive things to me, but I'm, I'm trying to be that much more cognizant of things that I know are going to have a negative impact on me. And with this particular project, I, I kind of chose the, the route I chose because I don't like labels. I don't like negative labels, particularly. I don't like, you know, the the popular one that's I'm seeing all over the Internet right now is that if you're not for this movie, then you're just a hater, man. You're just, you know, and I hate that. I don't want that label because I, I'm not a hater at all. I'm just telling you I made a decision. to. I'm not even going to go see it. Because I want to just bypass this whole, I want this whole thing to just, you know, rush at me and then scoot to the side and blow by and not impact me whatsoever. Because again, making a decision here, not going to see it and, you know, for the money thing, but also because I think at this point, I know myself well enough that I can look at something and, you know, think what you want, but. I think that trailers and and following the production history of a project is enough of an indicator to look at be able to look at something and and make a judgment. I think that's isn't that what movie trailers are for? You know, I think I think movie
0: trailers often misrepresent what you're gonna get.
2: Well they they do, but at the same rate, you know, I, I gleaned enough that I believe wholeheartedly that this was not something that was going to positively impact my life. You know what I mean? I, I think that there was plen- Let me put it the other way. I think there was plenty there that clued me in that this was not going to be something that I would enjoy, that I would more than likely wind up um, disappointed at the least and furiously angry at the most. And I don't want that in my life anymore you know so i i made that decision to not get involved because you know i am not and and that's a risk i'm willing to take because i will i will grudgingly admit because i this is one of those things i keep hearing well how do you know how do you know for sure well that's the thing i don't know for sure You know, there there is that minuscule possibility that I'm missing out on something, that there's something in there that I I maybe would have struck a chord with me and I'd walk out going, hey, you know, wasn't so bad. Or maybe I'd even walk out going, hell, I was completely wrong. That was a great movie. But I don't think so. I think that there's I think I'm hedging my bets pretty well to where I'm pretty sure I'm making the right decision for me. And that's really the important message I'm trying to convey is that this is my decision. This is me talking and I'm not taking anything away from anybody that, that liked, I'm not out there preaching from the rooftops. You shouldn't go. And you're an idiot if you do, and you're stupid if you like, that's not me. And I'm tired of being misrepresented that way. I felt like all through man of steel, that's how I was represented. And I that's not a pleasant place to be. That's not a pre- pleasant perception to feel like other people have of you. So if you've paid any attention to me lately on social media or anything, I'm hoping that you noticed I stayed the hell out of it. And that's my intention from you know this moment forward is to continue to stay the hell out of it. I'm letting everybody else fight that battle and I won't say that I'm not on the sidelines munching popcorn and having a field day watching it, but I'm not in it. Okay? So stop with the labeling already. And that's that's all I wanted to say about that.
0: All uh, right, stop being such a hater, Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
2: which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Manzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email. To two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
1: So, oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where, where are we? We are back to the bins. We are back to the bins. bum, 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 bum. Now that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> Not really. Wait, we are binzers. Boom, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum. Like we are farmers.
0: I, I did figure that one out.
1: <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure that you you know you knew what I was talking about. But the bum, ba, da bum, 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 bum doesn't go well, does it? Goes wonderfully. Yeah. Well, then that's it. That's our new theme.
0: All right. You just you. Yeah. We are binzers. Boom, ba, dum, bum, 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 bum.